It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. And welcome back to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. We've received a bunch of great reviews lately, and I wanted to thank you all for sending them. I do read them, and at the end of this episode, I'll share the latest ones. This episode actually answers two recent reviews, one asking if I can read a few more classics by women authors, and one of our fans who listens with their young children was not too pleased that I didn't place a content warning for language on one of my episodes, but they didn't name which one. I had to rack my brain to guess which episode it was. We're about as squeaky clean as you can be over here, and I'm guessing it was the Hemingway piece we did. And you know what? I should have put a content warning on that one. I am very, very proud that 1001 Classic Short Stories has a large family and homeschooler audience, in addition to our adult audience. And now, our story. Clara Dillingham Pearson was an American children's author who published semi-naturalistic stories about animals in various settings. She grew up in Coldwater, Michigan, homeschooled by her parents before attending a kindergarten teacher training program in Chicago. She went on to start and became the superintendent of a teaching program at Alma College. Pearson married a hardware store owner, had a child who died soon after birth, then adopted and raised two boys in Stanton, Michigan. Her passion and understanding for children comes across in her imaginative stories about animals with human characteristics. Pearson wrote several story collections featuring animals in various settings, such as Among the Meadow People, Among the Farmyard People, and another favorite, Among the Forest People, from which this story comes. The illustrations in her books, by the way, are terrific, if you can find them. Try online at Project Gutenberg if you want to print them out, or places like Amazon or eBay for actual copies. And good luck! And now, The Night Moth with a Crooked Feeler by Clara Dillingham Pearson. The beautiful, brilliant butterflies of the meadow had many cousins living in the forest, most of whom were night moths. They also were very beautiful creatures, but they dressed in duller colors and did not have slender waists. Some of the butterflies, you know, wear whole gowns of black and yellow. Others have stripes of black and white, while some have clear yellow, with only a bit of black trimming the edges of the wings. The moths usually wear brown and have it brightened with touches of buff or dull blue. If they do wear bright colors, it is only on the back pair of wings, and when the moth alights, he slides his front pair of wings over these and covers all the brightness. They do not rest with their wings folded over their heads like the butterflies, but leave them flat. 
All day long, when the sun is shining, the moths have to rest on trees and dead leaves. If they were dressed in yellow or red, any passing bird would see them, and there's no telling what might happen. As it is, their brown wings are so nearly the color of dead leaves or bark that you might often look right at them without seeing them. Yet even among moths, there are some more brightly colored than others, and when you find part of the family quietly dressed, you can know it is because they have to lay the eggs. Moths are safer in dull colors, and the egg layers should always be the safest of all. If anything happened to them, you know, there'd be no caterpillar babies. One day, a fine-looking Cracopia moth came out of her chrysalis and clung to the nearest twig while her wings grew and dried and flattened. At first they had looked like tiny brown leaves all drenched with rain and wrinkled by somebody stepping on them. The fur on her fat body was matted and wet, and even her feelers were damp and stuck to her head. Her six beautiful legs were weak and trembling, and she moved her body restlessly while she tried again and again to raise her crumpled wings. She had not been there so very long when she noticed another Cricopia moth near her, clinging to the underside of a leaf. He was also just out of the chrysalis and was drying himself. "'Good morning,' he cried. "'I think I knew you when we were caterpillars. Fine day to break the chrysalis, isn't it?' "'Lovely,' she answered. "'I remember you very well. You were the caterpillar who showed me where to find food last summer when the hot weather had withered so many of the plants.' "'I thought you would recall me,' he said. "'and when we were spinning our chrysalises we visited together. "'Do you remember that also?' "'Miss Cricopia did. "'She had been thinking of that when she first spoke, "'but she hoped he had forgotten. "'To tell the truth, he had been rather fond of her the fall before, "'and she, thinking him the handsomest caterpillar of her acquaintance, "'had smiled upon him and suggested that they spin their cocoons near each other. "'During the long winter she had regretted this. "'I was very foolish.' she thought, to encourage him. When I get my wings, I may meet people who are better off than he. Now I shall have to be polite to him for the sake of old friendship. I only hope that he will make other acquaintances and leave me free. I must get into the best society. All this time her neighbor was thinking, I'm so glad to see her again, so glad. When my wings are dry, I will fly over to her and we will go through the forest together. He was a kind, warm-hearted fellow who cared more for friendship than for beauty or family. Meanwhile, their wings were growing fast and drying and flattening so that by noon they could begin to raise them above their heads. They were very large moths, and their wings were of a soft dust color with little clear transparent places in them and touches of the most beautiful blue, quite the shade worn by the peacock who lived on the farm. There was a brown and white border to their wings, and on their bodies and legs the fur was white and dark orange. When the Cracopias rest, they spread their wings out flat, and do not slide the front pair over the others as their cousins, the sphinxes, do. The most wonderful of all, though, are their feelers. The butterflies have stiff feelers on their heads, with little knobs on the ends, or sometimes with part of them thick, like tiny clubs. The night moths have many kinds of feelers, most of them being curved, and those of the Cracopias look like reddish-brown feathers pointed at the end. 
Miss Cracopia's feelers were perfect, and she waved them happily to and fro. Those of her friend, she was troubled to see, were not what they should have been. One of them was all right. The other was small and crooked. Oh, dear, she said to herself. How does that look? I hope he will not try to be attentive to me. He did not mind it much. He thought about other things than looks. As night came, a polyphemous moth fluttered past. Good evening, cried he. Are you just out? There are a lot of Cracopias coming out today. Miss Cracopia felt quite agitated when she heard this and wondered if she looked all right. Her friend flew over to her just as she raised her wings for flight. Let me go with you, he said. While she was wondering how she could answer him, several other Cracopias came along. They were all more brightly colored than she. Hello, cried one of them as he alighted beside her. First-rate night, isn't it? He was a handsome fellow, and his feelers were perfect. But Miss Cracopia did not like his ways, and she drew away from him just as her friend knocked him off the branch. While they were fighting, another of the strangers flew to her. May I sit here? He asked. Yes, she murmured thinking her chance had come to get into society. "'I must say that it served the fellow right for his rudeness to you,' said the stranger in his sweetest way. "'But who is the moth who is punishing him, that queer-looking one with the crooked feeler?' "'Sir,' said she, moving farther from him, "'he is a friend of mine, and I do not think it matters to you if he is queer-looking.' "'Oh,' said the stranger, "'oh, oh, oh, you have a bad temper, haven't you?' but you are very good-looking in spite of that. There is no telling what he would have said next, for at this minute Miss Cracopia's friend heard the mean things he was saying and flew against him. It was not long before this stranger also was punished, and then the moth with the crooked feeler turned to the others. Do any of you want to try it? He said. You must understand that you cannot be rude before her. And he pointed his right foreleg at Miss Cracopia as she sat trembling on the branch. "'Her!' they cried mockingly, as they flew away. "'There are prettier moths than she. We don't care anything for her.' Miss Cracopia's friend would have gone after them to punish them for this impoliteness, but she clung to him and begged him not to. "'You will be killed. I know you will,' she sobbed. "'And then what will become of me?' "'Would you miss me?' he asked, as he felt one of his wings, now broken and bare. Yes, she cried. You're the best friend I have. Please don't go. But I'm just a homely fellow, he said. I don't see how you can like me, since I broke my wing. Well, I do like you, she said. Your wing isn't much broken after all, and I like your crooked feeler. It's so different from anybody else's. Miss Cracopia looked very happy as she spoke, and she quite forgot how she once decided to go away from him. There are some people you know who can change their minds in such a sweet and easy way that we almost love them the better for it. One certainly could love Miss Cracopia for this, because it showed that she had learned to care more for a warm heart and courage than for whole wings and straight feelers. Mr. Cracopia did not live long after this, unfortunately, 
that they were very, very happy together, and she often said to her friends, as she laid her eggs in the best places, I only hope that when my caterpillar babies are grown and have come out of their chrysalids, they may be as good and brave as their father was. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. It's review time. This first one, enjoyable, easy listening. I commute for work and this show makes the drive much more enjoyable. Voice and style aren't overdone and the story selection is great. Something for everyone. That one from Case O'Dell, Apple Podcasts, U.S. And this one, no warning. This is a great podcast, but there's no warning of the language content in some of them. I really like his voice, but again, more emphasis on the language content warning. I had to listen to them before showing my kids to make sure. Please fix it. And that one, a podcast review from Apple, unnamed U.S. And this one, fantastic storytelling. Thanks, John, for your dedication to bringing fantastic stories to life through your expert narration. I really enjoy your podcast and look forward to each new episode. My only hope is that there will be more stories from female authors in the future. Fantastic job. Well done. And that one, Ari from Oz, Apple Podcasts, Australia. This one was for you, Ari. And this one, a treasure. I'm an artist, and 1001 Short Stories is one of my favorite things to listen to while I paint. The wonderful selection of classic literature makes the time fly by. It is my auditory happy place. I get excited every time I hear the opening music. And that one from Sarah Banass, Apple Podcasts, U.S. And this one, awesome stories. I love this podcast and listen to it all the time. John has introduced me to some excellent authors I've never heard of. The stories are beautifully written, and John's an amazing reader. His voice is calming and full. Thank you for working so hard on this. Please keep them coming. Brian, BV2447, Apple Podcasts. U.S. And this one. Thank you. Thank you, John, for reading so wonderfully. As a South African, I've been introduced to some unfamiliar authors, such as Jack London, through your podcast. It's always wonderful to be introduced to new authors. And that one from Rue O.R.R., Apple Podcast, South Africa. And this one. Great podcast. This is a well-done show telling great stories. J.B.O.K.C., Apple Podcast, U.S. Thank you all so very, very, very much for taking the time to sit down and write these reviews. It's greatly appreciated. And thanks for being such great fans. All we ask is that you share us with others, help them to subscribe, and send reviews if you haven't yet joined us. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.